Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape, and we're the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we got Diego back in the Escape Pod again for another episode of Clone Wars Talk. Uh, and uh, today we're going to be going over the Citadel trilogy of episodes, which is uh, covering numbers 62 to 64 on the chronological Clone Wars episode order list. That is episodes 318, 319, and 320, all from season three. And uh, what a trilogy of episodes this was. Uh, so we're going to dive into those uh, with Diego today and, and chat all about it and listen to those featurettes with Dave Filoni as well. landing all right welcome back man thanks buddy good to be back yeah always good to have you back uh, can you can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, yeah. all right, perfect, perfect. Just yeah, we're good to go. <clears throat> all right, uh, we got we got a bit of a shorter episode today, but uh, but you know, there's actually there's an okay amount of stuff to talk about in these ones. These ones are a bit more action packed, but um, yeah. yeah, there's some there's some interesting things. Yeah, there's there's a uh, we see the return of uh, quite uh, an interesting character, um, General Tarkin. Um, and we, we see him, you know, of course, at this period in time in, in, um, in canon, he's much younger, but, uh, it's interesting because over the course of these three episodes, we've got the Citadel, uh, counterattack and Citadel rescue over the course of these episodes, we do see kind of, uh, the relationship between Anakin and Tarkin, how they kind of, mm -hmm. they seem to, they argue, a, quite a bit on certain things but when it comes to like military and like uh you know a quick, yeah. quick decision making they seem to they, they seem, seem to, to have a little more yeah. in common yeah for sure yeah. and and yeah. uh i'm glad that they brought tarkin into this because i mean at the point of a new hope like we see uh we yeah he's he's a grand moff right like it's yeah. this is 20 years in the future from this point in time and yeah. uh you know and and uh what we're what we're seeing right now is him as just a captain right yeah. and it makes sense that he was in the republic before because if he's a grand moff by the time that the empire is rose into power um you know either he was kind of just brought on at the point of the the turn of the empire or it would be even more interesting if he was a part of the republic beforehand right because then he does have that relationship with the jedi and the existing government at that time and the and chancellor palpatine of course so um how about how about we listen to the featurette and then uh, and then uh, chat a little bit about this episode after because we got a bunch of notes here. Sure thing. 
season one of The Clone Wars, Henry Gore and I had bandied about a couple different ideas of things we thought would be neat, and that was back during, you know, the, uh, the uber fan days, we call it, you know, when we were quoting the movies left and right and uh, having rancors run all around, and, uh, you know. Um, among the ideas as fans that we thought would be cool is, oh, we have to have carbon freezing in uh, the show. That would be cool. <laughs> Well, when we had the season three story meeting and we were working with George on coming up with how are these guys going to get through the Citadel, you know, I remembered that Henry and I talked about this thing a long time ago. And I was like, well, what if they froze themselves and, and used carbon freezing to get through? I don't think this is working. Droids, of course, non-organics, could get past these scanners. But any living thing the scanner would detect, unless you're able to freeze yourself and your heart rate and your bio signs down so the droids wouldn't realize they were living things on board the ship. The shuttle has no life forms, Commander. Matt Mikovitz, who was writing the Citadel, you know, huge fan, was like, yes, that would be awesome. So, and George went for it. I mean, again, like, you have to have a reason to want to do these things too and a good reason to do it. And it was a good reason, as it turned out, and it fit really well with the Citadel, so... We put the idea of carbon freezing in there. Now we get to another dilemma, which is, so a lot of fans somehow, for some reason, hold the concept that when Han gets frozen in carbonite, that this was somehow the first time this was done. Which I'm not sure, I'm not sure where that comes from, because Vader somehow knows the facility is a crew on Cloud City but it should be, you know, able to freeze Skywalker. Reset the chamber for Skywalker. So somehow he knows this process is gonna work. Almost like he's done it before. So that was enough really loose logic <laughs> to run on that it would probably be Anakin's idea. This is your idea, carbon freezing? Hey, you wanted to shield us from the lifeform scanners. A funny thing, you can't have, evidently, a carbon freezing chamber without having an Ugnaught run it. So I'm imagining somehow that the Ugnaughts must be very good at carbon freezing. They know a lot about it. Because we've got an Ugnaught, Urkzalus, running the machine. You know, and I don't, you know, I guess maybe when you open the big box to install your own carbon freezing chamber, the Ugnaught's there. Maybe he delivers it. Um, maybe he's in the box. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it was a neat little nod back to Empire Strikes Back to have an Ugnaught there. Um, best carbon freezers in the galaxy. All right. Well, I'm glad uh, Dave um, brought up the carbon freezing chamber because that's, that's kind of a big call, well, big big kind of flash forward to uh, that moment where Vader does kind of think, hey, it's a good idea to freeze Solo. And, you know, and he has that little line where he's like, yeah, this facility is crude, but uh, it should be sufficient for for a Skywalker, right? And it makes you wonder. It's like, oh, well, the guy's done it before. He's done it to himself. Of course he knows this is going to work. You know, maybe the facility's a little, a little kind of meh, but uh, he knows the recipe. Yeah, yeah, that was uh that was interesting when they brought that up because I, I immediately thought back to, you know, back on Clown City and uh, Empire Strikes Back episode 5. 
Mm-hmm. So it was it was cool to it was cool to see that. Um, but just to just to kind of give you guys like a little background on this ep- on this uh, episode. So Citadel is like um, it's basically an impenetrable prison for any Jedi who have kind of gone against uh, their ways. Um, they've kind of lost their ways, and uh, there's this one neat little scene in there where Anakin is talking to Ahsoka about the mission that him. Uh, Obi-Wan and a bunch of other people are going to go on. Um, and he says this little line, um, it's not for Padawans. Um, but, um, we see, you know, Ahsoka being the apprentice of, uh, Anakin Skywalker, eventually, you know, she, she slides into the mission as well. But, um, we see, I've noticed a, a lot in this arc that there's a whole lot of, um, uh, Ahsoka kind of really taking in what she's learned, and like uh, as far as behaviors from Anakin goes, like she's uh, she's doing a lot of things that yeah on the fly thinking, like kind of like oh you know it wasn't necessary to do that. She's but okay. being a, she's being a lot more aggressive and uh, a lot yeah. more uh, kind of uh on un- unobedient i guess uh yeah in inobedient yeah so it, she's just she's just not really following instruction that well so uh, uh, like um yeah just just to kind of like uh, for those of you who who haven't just recently watched the episode as a quick recap uh this first episode the citadel the jedi are planning to break into the um the citadel uh, to rescue tarkin and uh master even peel because they have each have half well they don't know that both of them have half yet but uh, the idea is is that uh, they've got the uh, the coordinates to this nexus route which is used to get kind of basically to the home worlds of of the inner core of the republic right so if this information were to fall into separatist hands this hyperspace lane could be used uh, to strike a powerful blow on on Coruscant which is kind of interesting because we see this happen at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. So mm-hmm. like the the fact that, that the Separatists do attack Coruscant in a surprise attack um, and kidnap the Chancellor, like this all does come to pass. And this trilogy of episodes is kind of explaining how this just ha- went three years, like three years of war without it happening already. And uh, and these coordinates are, 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 are vital for uh, the Separatists to have. It's also vital for the Republic to have uh, not only just to prevent them from having them, but um, but also to kind of reciprocate that kind of motion if they were to ever make a surprise attack on Raxus or something, um, which is the I think I believe it's the capital of uh, of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the Citadel was built by the Jedi to hold rogue Jedi, so it's it's basically just kind of being used against them at this point because the Confederacy of Independent Systems is has won over the system in the in the war effort and and now it's just kind of uh stabbed the jedi in the back in the back a little bit now that they've lost that location so it's ironic that they're trying to break into their own facility and then trying to break out again and uh you know they've built us they've got all these booby traps and stuff that'll prevent a jedi from actually making it out alive Uh so it's a very cool interesting set of episodes but um yeah, I don't know. Uh, where did you want to start? I guess with uh, with kind of that being said. Well, uh, we start to see. Uh, well, I wouldn't say we start to see, but I've noticed um, since I've started watching this show, there's a whole lot of trade routes, planets, uh, just 
sections of space that both the Republic and the Separatists use to, you know, do trading or just access to another part of the galaxy, whatever, what have you. Um, they seem to share a lot of this, and both sides know this. Um, but uh, I always find it so funny where the Jedi, they find they find themselves in these scenarios. Like there's a couple scenarios in these episodes where like they're, you know, they're being held hostage, for example, and a Sith or a separatist, you know, whatever they, they'll, you know, just gun everyone down, kill everybody, use the force as much as they can. And that's it, you know, be done with it. But the, the Jedi they're you know, they're held hostage once again, cuffed, they don't have their weapons. And it's like, it's like, man, there's just so many things that I would be doing right now if I were you guys, you know, but they just fall back to this code. And um, yeah, that's yeah. a big one through these through these episodes. That's yeah. something that Tarkin really points out. Yeah, um, I found it. Um, I found it interesting that as soon as Tarkin is kind of introduced at the end of this episode to a degree, uh-huh. um, immediately we get exposure to his cynical attitude. Yeah. And and yeah. and this is something like you know right off the bat um he's he's kind of iffy on the plan, you know, to on how to even break out of the place. Like right right away he's like are you sure that's wise and and this and that and he is always kind of questioning his leadership. Okay. And um that you know for for a guy who we know is, you know, a, a guy who ends up in a in one of the highest positions of power in the empire. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, um, he's, he's naturally kind of, you can see it getting there, right? Like, like you can see his, uh, cynicism and, um, just like, just the way that he is with people, which is, which is not good. (laughs) Yeah. He's not, he's not good with people. Uh, he's kind of a, kind of a stern old kind of creepy guy. And, uh, who's got a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of weight when he walks in the room kind of thing. And, and he carries himself well, like the moment he sits up from his bench, you know, he's, his posture is perfect. And, you know, his, his voice is uh, crisp and precise. And it's very kind of, um, you can totally tell it's Tarkin, you know, like even uh, like he's got a whole head of hair still, but you can just totally tell that, that it's him. And, um, I think that's what I really liked about it. And immediately when he meets Anakin, especially like he tries to kind of take a shot at him and go, you know, b- basically, uh, saying something along the lines of how, uh, how he reserves his loyalty for, uh, uh what is it? What does he say again for people he trusts or something like that? I and mean, he had something like that, but he respects when Anakin actually takes a shot back at him and, and Anakin's like, well, I reserve my uh, my trust for those who understand gratitude, uh-huh. Captain Tarkin. Yeah. And he just kind of like spits it out. And then I saw Tarkin smile. I was like, what, what is this guy doing? Like, <laughs> just yeah. like he actually likes it when people kind of are able to defend themselves in front of him. So he's at the point where he he respects kind of people on a parallel level of of being able to just put up with that and and just being able to kind of handle themselves and um we see over the course of these three episodes that he kind of gains a big respect for anakin yeah big time um yeah i mean this one uh i don't have a whole lot uh for this one but um 
a couple a couple like cool because it's like really action packed um you know really besides the main focus i think will be like you know tarkin and anakin on this one guys but yeah. but having said that uh because it's action packed uh, there's a couple cool moves that uh i always find so interesting that the jedi do uh certain them anyways um but like for example in this first episode uh or one of them i can't remember but um ahsoka and like anakin and obi-wan they're fighting droids as usual and you know they they'll sometimes they'll decapitate them you know cut their heads off and then stab them i mean like for effect it's pretty sweet but i mean you don't really <laughs> yeah. you don't really need the stab i mean they don't have a heart you know the head yeah, can, yeah, yeah. can be it you could cut them in half you could cut an arm off and then decapitate their head i mean for effect absolutely please do it but i mean it's not really necessary right Some, yeah sometimes it's just for the flair yeah yeah it's totally for the flair so uh yeah i i do love that so um but that's what we want to see, right? Like, like you know, the cool lightsaber is twirling around. Like, that's that's what that's what most of us kind of you know are drawn to, I guess. When we when we uh, go to the store and buy a Star Wars toy, it's like, oh, that lightsaber, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you love lightsabers. We, we we both love lightsabers. We got our own dueling sabers and stuff. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah honestly, like. <laughs> The first one for me, like of this, it's a good intro. It's a good intro, but there's not a whole lot for me to to go into detail. I think. yeah, not a crazy amount of depth, uh, but yeah, very very cool visually, and it got the story kicked off to a good start. So let's let's kind of uh, let's get into counterattack the next episode in the featurette. Sure. Welcome back, Captain Tarkin. Haven't you learned to trust me by now? You may have been like such a general Skywalker. But my faith in your comrades is still lacking. We are introduced finally to Captain Tarkin. Now, classic Star Wars fans will remember Tarkin, but as a Grand Moff, who is in charge basically of the Death Star in the film A New Hope. What? You're far too trusty. Dantooine is too remote to make an effective demonstration, but don't worry. We will deal with your rebel friends soon enough. Fans have wanted to see Tarkin, and it just so happened that organically in one of the story meetings, we had an opportunity to introduce another one of these Imperial officers. George, I believe, was the one that suggested, well, why not Tarkin for the Citadel series of episodes? And we all thought, wow, what a great opportunity. Though he's only in one of the Star Wars films, too, if you count his brief performance in Revenge of the Sith, he made a lasting impression. And it really gave us a chance to explore the very beginning of the relationship between Anakin Skywalker and Tarkin. How they have similarities, how they kind of think the same. Have I offended you? No. Anakin even kind of begrudgingly admits that the Jedi aren't doing enough that they need to do to win the war. Well, I see we agree on something. Tarkin is one of the few characters in the entire Star Wars saga that can basically tell Darth Vader to back off to a certain extent. I'm taking an awful risk, Vader. This had better work. When you get a character like Tarkin, someone that's been in the classic films, the crew always responds. I, th I think there's this little bit of extra effort that goes into everything surrounding that character, from just the way someone poses, where they'll put Tarkin in, this kind of famous pose that we see him in in A New Hope to the rigging of the character to make sure that everything's gonna 
be very malleable and we'll get a great performance out of the lip sync. I knew that fans would have a very strong reaction to this character. We needed to find the actor that could really portray this correctly. And Steven Stanton is a huge Star Wars fan and I thought he did an amazing job. It wasn't just that he was trying to be Peter Cushing through his voice. He was really trying to be the characterization of Tarkin that, that was brought to it back in 1977. Steven knew which words to accent and, and how to put emphasis on them. I am concerned that the Jedi have elected this child to lead the group. I think it lent itself well to being a great homage to the work of Peter Cushing in the original Star Wars as Grand Moff Tarkin. All right, yeah, that was well said. Um, I like I like how he brings all that stuff up. Uh, and actually, just as a side note, Stephen Stanton uh, did play uh, the voice of uh, Admiral Raddus in Rogue One. Uh, he was the Mon Calamari that showed up in that film. So... Yeah, active, active in the Star Wars world. But um, yeah, what did you, uh, what did you kind of get from this? This, uh, this is kind of a bigger episode. Oh, I, I can't hear you there. Hello, hello. Yeah, hello. Yeah, there oh, you are. There sorry. you are. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was just watching a, a quick little snippet of uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, his CGI in Rogue One versus uh, the real version in um, uh, Episode Four, and it's a uh, actually pretty crazy that what you could do with cgi um these days but anyways um yeah so for this one uh, in counterattack um uh, i mean yeah another uh, just another point that i bring up like um uh, you know the the way they argue is is uh, i wouldn't i'm not even sure if i should call it like, an argument. Like, i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't even call it an argument I, I would be like i would more or less describe it as they are two very different people with with kind of understanding between them you know and uh and you know we get we get this in in a new hope like i I love how dave actually brought that up he's he said that um moff tarkin he's one of the only he's one of the few people in the galaxy that can tell vader to to back off you know and and that's exactly what he does when when vader's choking out uh that that moff at the table yeah. Uh, on the Death Star, uh, Grand I Moff Tarkin. I find your lack you of know. faith disturbing. Yeah, and and Moff Tarkin's like Vader, release him, you know, and 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 then he's like, as you wish, and he just lets him live. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, Tarkin and Vader and the Emperor have this kind of triad of power kind of going on between them. They have this this like trio of leadership, uh-huh. and uh, it becomes a little more clear when Tarkin blows up with the Death Star that uh, when he's out of the picture. Uh, we get a lot more Vader in Episode Five, so, so you yeah. do get the sense that that Tarkin he actually is one of the the more main villains of Episode Four, and yeah. uh, and and uh, it's actually really uh, it's out it's awesome that we actually get to see him in these episodes because um, as far as kind of prequel content goes, you know, there's nothing better than to see that exactly right like those connections kind of being drawn off of the original the original trilogy mm-hmm. so uh so yeah it's it's kind of the perfect kind of plan that george had in mind to tell a story with with uh, captain tarkin because we, we do get to see him in revenge of the sith very briefly yeah at the end there and they're yeah. looking they're looking at the at the they're what, looking at the death star yeah. under construction exactly yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, it's uh, it's yeah. a scene that uh, you can look up online. It's probably even a GIF or GIF, whatever, whatever you pronounce it is. And uh, I believe it's uh, it's like a three second scene or something. Yeah. It's it's really short. It's yeah. really short. But you know, people kind of recognized him when they saw him. It's like, oh, hey, that's uh, that's a young Tarkin. Yeah. So um, yeah, very cool to see that he and Vader go back back to the Clone Wars. There is an interesting book. Uh, it was the second canon book that was ever written um, back in 2015, and it's called Star Wars Tarkin, written by James Lucinio. And it was a, it's a book that takes place um, uh, five years after the Clone War, and uh, Vader has, to, has a mission uh, with Tarkin that he's assigned to take, um, basically... Uh, to find, uh, I believe it's kind of a, a, a stolen ship or something like that. Um, I remember really enjoying this book. It's one of the better ones that, that kind of a, I've read through the canon. Um, that's pretty much all I remember. I, I, I don't really remember details too well. But uh, but that that uh, that book is actually kind of worth reading. James Lucinio, awesome, awesome author. And uh, and there was a lot more Tarkin to go around in that story. So him and Vader go kind of go way back. Yeah, they've got a but, long history. Uh, you know, he's wearing that classic uniform, right? And yeah, uh, it, it's a nice little. This whole arc is kind of a nice little homage to um to what it we is. A very nice homage. Yeah. Yeah. And we got um we got a lot more of the Citadel kind of in this uh, as far as you know them trying to get out and stuff. Did you notice way more booby traps? You know, we saw quite a few in the in the first episode. We saw electrifying walls, magnetic yep. ceilings, magnetic floors. Um, yeah. The commando droids have magnetic feet, so that uh, if any Jedi were to force push them, they were you know they're prevented from flying down the hallway. Yeah, um, they got uh, they've that. also they've also got these really cool like riot shields uh, all, as well. With it, like, oh they're yeah, they're able to stick the gun yeah. through. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, cool. They got those. They're yeah. they're all equipped, and uh, even the yeah. ventilation shafts. Can, it has this like emergency locking feature, which every like, I don't know, meter or so, it just kind of closes in on itself and, you know, mm-hmm. cuts anyone in half that's kind of between the blades. But uh, yeah, no, that, it just, that was kind of something that stuck out to me. It's like the Jedi got this thing rigged up. Like, yeah. you know, if, if they, if they, you know, they're serious about keeping their own rogue Jedi in inbound because they know that, uh, you know, based on their code, they're not going to execute one of their own. Yeah. So it's like, where do you put somebody with all this power? It's like, well, you build a prison that's built for somebody like that. Like, like, what if, what if Mace Windu went rogue, right? Like, what, like, what if somebody like him, or even like, look at Anakin Skywalker, like, like, you know, he brought down the whole Jedi Order. But, uh, but, but I mean, it, like, if you take kind of a character like that and and kind of twist them and be like, how would the Jedi deal with this person? Uh, if they best them in a lightsaber duel and manage to disarm them, which is kind of the idea most of the time, uh, you know, truth be told, I would I would assume that they have a prison for these for these cases, and uh, it's crazy to think that the Jedi did build this place. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, uh, pretty pretty like you know state of the art in terms of like what and and you can really see how they thought they really thought it out because like. 
like you said, magnetic ceilings, magnetic uh, floors. So it's like they really thought, hmm, well, what oh, can yeah. a Jedi do? And what would really stop his escape? So they, yep. did, they did really well in that, yeah. in that process. They know themselves very well exactly. that, they, that they did this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's, there's a funny little, uh, another little funny comedy scene uh, with R2. Uh, he's on the mission with everyone. Um, and he, he, gets, uh, he gets these three B1 battle droids, uh, but they're reprogrammed, oh, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, we, like the B1s, like they're, they are just, they're, you know, mass produced, you know, cheap quality, just get the yeah. job done. Shoot they're, some... so, they're so dumb. Like... Yeah, they're so dumb. But you know what? They're devious because they've been re- reprogrammed, right? And they, yep. even though they're reprogrammed, you see their com- their communication, uh, just to give you guys kind of a visual. So the three droids that uh, R2 kind of has recruited and they're reprogrammed to, to kind of treat R2 as a general in this case, um, they've got these blue stripes on them. Uh, and you know, throughout these episodes, they we see these particular droids. They go through the process, and they're you know, there's scenes where everyone's held in captivity, and they they're going through the corridors in this prison, and then they meet with uh, the B1 droids who have them in captivity, and then these droids that are you know reprogrammed, they say, oh, we'll take it from here, and mm-hmm. then they say that's an order or whatever and like the other b1s they're like okay well you know roger roger but they they go with it and then at the end you know they're 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 sacrificed and they say it was it was a pleasure working with you and they're talking to r2 at this point and then r2 just dips like he doesn't care like it's so funny and they <laughs> yeah, get yeah, they yeah. just get you know they get totally dismantled in classic b1 yeah. fashion I love um, how they even made it three episodes, though. Like the fact that those B ones, like you yeah, know, I think that's actually the only time ever will, that we will ever see unique B one battle droids go longer than one episode. That's right. Yeah, uh, that's a very like, good point. But yeah, like ninety eight percent of the time, the Jedi are just cutting them down. Yeah. Uh, in the very few times where we've seen them reprogrammed. They're only just in one episode, right? Pretty much. Uh, so yeah, this is kind of a special case, but yeah. uh, I, I I love how kind of useless they go out as well at the in the last episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, a pretty sad, pretty sad one on this. Uh, our good mm-hmm. clone friend Echo dies. Uh, so yeah. he's, he's kind of in a in a fight, and he's about to get on this ship that they're u- going to use to escape, but their ship gets blown up, and they have to call in for reinforcements. But in the exp- explosion of the ship echo gets taken out with it yeah he tried to rescue the shuttle from the the turrets and and just got blown up with it and um yeah and and so now the only one left of that initial first batch of rookies that we saw all the way back in season one kind of uh near near the beginning of our chronological viewing order uh the almost all of them are dead now it's just it's just fives who's left yeah, because we started uh, out with Echo Fives, Heaven, and what was the other dude? I think that's uh, it. Was it was Echo Echo Fives, Heavy, and um, uh, and uh, I believe it was uh, was it Cut Up? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it, like I think that. it was Cut Up, uh, Cut Up, or something like that. He- Heavy's um, gone. Echo's now gone. Uh, fives is still around. Um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Echo, uh, Echo, uh, yeah, Echo's gone. So now, yeah, Fives is the only one that's left as far as kind of arc troopers on the five hundred first goes. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, and you know, we'll miss Echo. But uh, yeah, very kind of emotional kind of ending for that character. Mm-hmm. But um, the only other thing I have 
for this episode is kind of that little line that Tarkin throws to Anakin is that uh, that he believes that peacekeepers should not be leading a war. They have a very interesting discussion about this. And and this is kind of like an interesting discussion we've had a few times as well uh-huh. um, about the fact that the Jedi should not be leading this war, right? They're, they're peacekeepers. They got a code, all that stuff. And now here is uh, Tarkin kind of throwing Anakin the same advice. And then Anakin in return kind of says, you know, no, you're right. You know, we, we fall short of our victories because of our methods. And he knows, like Anakin knows because of the Jedi code, like it, it's holding us back from really kind of pushing our full uh, efforts into this, into this conflict. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and it's like another classic example, you know, um, so many scenarios throughout the show that uh, I've noticed where they're, you know, completely able and they have the opportunity to, you know, they're in captivity, let's say, they're able to choke someone out. They're able to grab that lightsaber from, you know, a droid's ha- uh, hands or whatever, uh, but they don't do it. They they play ball and uh, they, they do win, but like Anakin says, like they, they're not able to push themselves farther. Like I really feel like if there were, you know, just, I'm not going to say full rogue, uh, Jedi mentality where it's just kind of like go it's kind of like if there were certain scenarios certain aspects in the war where the Jedi would just say look if we just do it this way we'll get it done they would have yep. advanced so much quicker in the war um, I think it's also to do with like how it affects people right like people on on uh, you know innocent bystanders and stuff right like the Republic might be more concerned with uh, sending relief effort to planets uh rather than um you know push the full-on scale we saw this in the very first episode of the show the very first one he he was uh playing delivery boy and had to deliver some supplies in that invisible that cloaked ship and admiral trench was kind of in a blockade around uh and he had to sneak past the blockade very simple and deliver relief supplies to bail organa who had an outpost, military outpost on the surface of Christophsis. And he ends up kind of turning the ship into his own personal uh, attack, you know, uh, this own personal kind of uh, assassination attempt on Admiral Trench's blockade. Yep. And the whole episode, the episode was called Cat and Mouse. And and it was a whole kind of thing about him kind of like a submarine going in and out of cloaking and avoiding missiles and kind of barrages of fire and stuff like that. Uh, it, it was very cool. But uh, but yeah, like immediately off the bat, like you can see his his priority is not just to kind of give people relief effort, but to just take out the enemy. And I think he feels, Anakin feels like that the Republic or the more the, 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 the Jedi uh, if they were to adopt kind of methods like that, um, you know, the war would probably be win a lot more, uh, go a lot more swiftly in, in their favor. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, as as far as counterattack, I, I mean, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, that's all I got. So, how about we kind of rush through this feature for the uh, Citadel rescue, and then we'll talk about that right Sh- after. Sure. The next, yeah, sounds good. Look what I found. O.C. Sobek is a Findian. We're all sitting around the writer's room with George and we're coming up with ideas and he creates this character George does called O.C. Sobek and we want to try to figure out what's he going to be. I really wanted him to be something new, something different that we hadn't really seen in Star Wars before. So we open up the uh, essential guide 
and uh, we found a Fendi in it. I thought, well, this guy, he looks interesting. And George was all for that. We made him pretty tall, lanky. I asked the animators to give him kind of a twitching eye to kind of symbolize that he's stressed out <laughs> when he's talking to Count Dooku. Have the prisoners been captured? Not yet, my lord. Well, we've located their position, and my droids are moving in now. To voice O.C. Sobek, asked James Arnold Taylor, I said, you know, you do that great Christopher Walken. It's spot on unbelievable. I said, what if you did that, but not exactly like that, but use the rhythm of it and deepen it, make it a little more gruff, and see if we could use that sense of phrasing and timing to create a kind of interesting vocal performance. My deepest respect. I was hoping to surprise you with good news. James did a wonderful job uh, uh, interpreting that direction and, and creating a very kind of quirky yet malevolent uh, villain that I think is one of the better ones we've created for the Clone Wars. If I can't have the information, it will die with you! When it came time for the demise of O.C. Sobek and the end of the Citadel arc, there are actually three different endings. The first one, which was, and probably still is on it, to be honest, my favorite one, uh, was off the original script and our original outline, which was that it was Tarkin that killed Osi Sobek. After Fives shot Sobek off of his staff and fell to the ground, and Tarkin just walked up while um, Sobek pleaded for his life and said, no, no, I'm unarmed, and Tarkin just bang, shot him dead. It's one of the first times that we really start to twist the Republic into the foreshadowing of the Empire through Tarkin. And I thought that this really said that this is the future, this type of brutal people running the Republic. But when George watched the episode, he said that, and I agree, what's problematic about it is that the Jedi witnessed this. And it kind of makes them a bit thick not to realize that this is going to be a really bad thing to have people like Tarkin in control of the military. So I came up with a different ending, which is that what if Ahsoka saves Tarkin from being killed in a way that's only a way we've seen Anakin Skywalker act. So it's all kind of then a little more interrelated, and I thought it got us a lot more mileage out of the character development. Ahsoka has picked up Anakin's fighting style. We've seen Anakin do this with Talmera season two. And, uh, you know, it's something we've all, we kind of associate with Anakin. I see you've trained her well. So Tarkin's alluding that he knows that this method of Ahsoka's executing Sobek comes from Anakin. She is his Padawan. So, wonder what that means. Well, you will have to wait and see. Yeah, very good point. And that's, that's that's exactly what we've been talking about all along is that Ahsoka has uh, developed Anakin's fighting style and his techniques. And uh, the last time we saw a Jedi kind of stab someone through the back uh, was when Anakin saved uh, saved the ship from blowing up when Obi-Wan didn't want to kill the guy. And he was going to blow wanna... up the ship. Yeah. Hey, he was going to blow up the ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, here we are seeing it again in his his own his own Padawan, and yeah. it's a little more subtle this time. But but uh, you know she does save Tarkin's life. Who who Ahsoka and Tarkin up until this point have not gotten along very well at all. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit awkward because at this point, 
uh, in time, at least we're kind of skipping to the end here, but even Peel kind of sadly meets his end in this episode and uh, she holds half the information. So there's a bit of a, Tarkin's not too happy about that. You can yeah. see it on his face. Um, but uh, yeah, just kind of starting from like the beginning and going forward. Uh, Anuba dogs, very cool. Uh, yeah. Dogs we kind of haven't seen just yet, I guess, uh, with the single horn um, tooth and whatever. Just like cool Star Wars looking creature. Like that's one thing about Star Wars that's kind of constant through the series is that uh, you know, it's aside from all the ships and all the different weapons, planets, and everything like that. Uh, creatures uh, on top of alien species are is, are kind of a big thing for Star Wars. You know, like uh, iconic ones being like the Tauntaun and the Rancor, and yep. uh, you know, and the EOP from Phantom Menace. All those things that the uh, you know, the thing that farts in Jar Jar's face on Tatooine, right? Like, yeah. uh, but yeah, like things like that. It's, it's, uh, or the Reek and the Ackley and the Nexu from the Gene Ocean Arena. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, these creatures, they're like a, the way, I guess the best way I could describe them is like they've got this horn. They kind of, their face is almost like a, like a hog, but they're like, yeah. they're, they're like a dog. Like the body's yeah. like a big, big bad really dog. cool and they yeah. make this cool sound too yeah yeah they're like yeah. really menacing looking i thought they were super uh menacing and and like you know really kind of um looked exactly like the kind of thing that that um that they would have to track and hunt down jedi kind of thing right yeah um but uh yeah what was kind of it was something something on your page something okay so we see uh sobek and we see uh dooku have a conversation as uh dave uh, filoni mentioned um there's a, a a a interesting quote from count dooku there because uh sobek tells him the truth right and he just he keeps it he keeps it 100 with dooku right he just tells him look they escaped you know we're working on that kind of thing and then yeah this little quote that i wrote down here uh, dooku says to sobek he says honestly on honesty is the only thing keeping you alive uh yeah. and i find it funny because how many moments you know if you just really sit down and think about it that the sith you know they get pissed off when they hear the the brutal honesty it's like oh they escaped oh the the plans are in you know their hands to the death star or whatever and then vader you know yeah. like, <laughs> like how 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 many times do we see this right yeah there's no pleasing them you're you're, no. you're always taking a chance whatever you, whatever you say right yeah exactly it's like oh yeah you know they got the plans to the death star no problem no you know kills everybody but yeah um <laughs> yeah i mean um there was a there was a, another another um interesting little uh conversation between tarkin and anakin they discuss mm-hmm. about uh they they talk about chancellor palpatine um, yeah yeah and they it's funny because um Tarkin is going on about his relationship with Palpatine and how they seem to be close in, in his words. But Anakin says, Oh, I know him quite well myself. And then, um, that kind of ties back into the, the last little bit of the episode, but before I get there, um, yeah. Yeah. Next, this is like, uh, and up until this point, we know that the chancellor really favors Anakin as well. I mean, this goes yeah. all the way back to the Phantom Menace when he kind of says to young Anakin, like, Oh, well, watch your career with great interest, you know? Yeah. And, exactly. and now, uh, yeah. And, and their friendship kind of goes all the way back. Like I think for Anakin, the chancellor is more or less like a, almost like a respectable grandfather. 
Um, and yeah. he calls him my boy all the time and, you know, not necessarily a father, but kind of like a grandfather or like a, like a, like a granddad or some um, sort of role model to Anakin. Right? Yeah. Yeah. A godfather of some kind. Yeah. Uh, perhaps, but, but yeah, so him and, and the chancellor are very close and, and the Tarkin's kind of like, you know, Tarkin's kind of boasting about his friendship with the chancellor. He's like, you know, uh, when he's asked about kind of respecting Master Peel's orders and stuff like that, he's like, I don't need to worry about my career. You know, my career is my career is set. You know, I, I, I'm in favor with the chancellor. I'm, I'm all good. Right? Like, yeah, I, know, I, want. I noticed that when he said that, I'm like, oh, so you're just gonna, you know, you're, you're just gonna leave it at that. But a very interesting quote, because uh, he's absolutely right. I mean, he's, I wouldn't say he's untouchable, but for the most part, he is, you know, because like he's yeah. he he becomes uh, Grand Moff and then, you know, he's kind of like he's he's pretty much at the top mm-hmm. of the food chain, you know. Um, but yeah, it's that was a interesting little quote there. Um, so one thing I noticed, another thing I noticed in this episode is, uh, you know, Ahsoka, her her fighting skills are getting a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we know she that she carries um, two lightsabers. uh in in uh in this season and i think for the rest of the show but um she's got she's got a green and a almost like a pale yellow one and this yellow one like when she moves it in certain directions and in certain movements it looks green but when she holds it just kind of at an idle and just Mm -hmm. lets it sit there uh it is noticeably yellow so that's like a neon neon kind of yellowy green yeah like a limey yellow it's really cool looking i love that color yeah um yeah i think uh what else um yeah so back to back to what dave said with uh, ahsoka stabbing um uh, stabbing uh Sobek pretty savagely there yeah, um, yeah. yeah i, I kind of wrote down there you know kind of like mass like master like apprentice when it comes to those two um yeah, yeah but um yeah, like there, there was a. You remember that quote from our, I believe, our last episode, um, where it's uh, Ahsoka sees her future self, and her future self talks to present. Yeah, on uh, on Mortis. Yeah, on she Mortis, has a vision yeah. of herself in the future. Yeah. Yeah, and and her future self says, uh, I think it's she says like, um, you oh know, yeah, you, uh, uh, the dark side is is getting stronger with you. Yeah, seeds, like uh, seeds of the dark side have been planted in you by my, by your master. That's right. That's right. Uh, exactly. uh, and uh, she says, um, you will never see your future if if you remain his student or something like that. And then she tells her, leave this planet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, doesn't seem to have clicked in for Ahsoka just yet. But uh, no, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. Yeah. But it's it's kind of it has left a mark on her. And and I think that place being in Mortis uh, for Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka, you know, we'll we'll kind of see the effects of that as time goes by. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think at this point, still for them, it's a question of whether or not it even was it even real or not, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, it is it is something that did did happen uh, practically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I one thing I caught was uh, well, we already kind of went over the Anakin Tarkin thing, but in this episode, he brings it up again that that you know the Jedi shouldn't be leading a war and all this and that. Uh, but it's also revealed that Anakin kind of admires him as a captain, mm-hmm. and and Tarkin at this point kind of respects Anakin for for all like you know, just for who he is and everything. And yeah. uh, Anakin believes that the Republic could benefit for more, from more people like him. Uh-huh. Um, so that's that's kind of like the beginning of the, what you might say, like 
maybe not a friendship, but uh, kind of respectful partnership, uh, working on the same the same side. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Ahsoka, uh, you know, as we know, kind of through this episode, she's not she wasn't supposed to be on this mission, and uh, she kind of becomes one of the most important pivotal roles. Not only just even breaking into the Citadel in the first episode by climbing through the vents, but uh, at this point, she's also been entrusted with the most uh, vital information as soon as even Peel gets uh, kind of decimated by those dogs. Yeah. He has kind of a touching ending there and uh, passes the information to Ahsoka to kind of keep and only tell the Jedi Council. So, um, And then yeah. they pre him. Yeah, and they have a very interesting kind of on-the-go funeral. Yeah. Uh, where I, I don't know where they found the wrappings from, maybe in some of their survival backpacks, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they, they kind of force lift him into the lava river. And uh, you kind of had something interesting to say about the cremation. Yeah. It's like kind of when I saw that moment, I thought, like, you know, they, they seem to have something with cremation. So, like, you jump back, you fast forward to, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi episode six and with Luke and Vader when they cremate him and he has his little funeral there. But uh, that's it, immediately what I thought about. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty cool mm-hmm. to see. Um, but uh, kind of with the end of the episode, you know, they they escape because they've got reinforcements, right? Because they called them in the last episode, and they arrived yeah. this this episode, and um, so they get back to Coruscant and they go over the details about the mission and who has the plans um, to this route and. And they, it's revealed that Tarkin has one half, and uh, Master Peel revealed or kind of told Ahsoka in secret and saying, and one thing he said before he passes away there is that uh, I only want this information passed on to the council, and that's it. Um, where and if that brings me to the last quote, a uh, really important quote I want to bring up here. But uh, as they're back on Coruscant, um, you know, Ahsoka has her half and then Tarkin has his half but Tarkin Tarkin says oh I was I was uh I was under ex- like um oh he was instructed to bring it to the chancellor only exactly yeah. instructed to bring it to Palpatine only um but uh Ahsoka says oh well I my I'm going to give my half to the council and that's it uh, and we can, like you mentioned, we can see it in his face. He's he's kind of like, mm, you know, I don't like that. Yeah. But then, um, you know, shortly shortly after Anakin and Tarkin, they discuss a little bit more about like, oh, you know, I like you and I respect you. They kind of have that mm-hmm. part of conversation and they shake hands. And there's a cool little little, there's a little Vader theme in the background. Yeah, very yeah short. a little um, Imperial March kind of ringing in the yeah. background there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Him so and that, Obi-Wan have a very kind of interesting... you know quick discussion right after he leaves yes is that the last thing you wanted to talk about there because that's that's what i got written down that's kind of where i i kind of i didn't write that part down but yes uh yeah yeah so so after all that they went through and it's been decided that anakin kind of respects tarkin and obi-wan kind of says i'm not too sure about your new friend but um you know anakin does have an interesting point that he brings up to obi-wan about how they need more people like him around but Obi-Wan says something along the lines of, if we sacrifice our code, you know, we will lose our honor. And, and it's something that kind of, it, it's true. Like, even even though the Jedi shouldn't be leading this war and all that, and they maintain the morales and all that, um, it, it is true that if they did give up their code, they would lose their honor and, and probably just lose their way. 
Um, yeah. So they are in a very tight place and they're not looking good as far as the galaxy is concerned. Uh, we'll see more of that as the show goes on. But uh, just in the last 10 seconds here or so, what do you uh, want to sign uh, off? Yeah, well, uh, thanks again, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. And guys, again, you know, stay safe. And any questions, comments or concerns, you know, please feel free to tweet us, email us, and we'll be happy to answer any questions the best of our ability. And uh, may the force be with you and wash your hands, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, man. We'll see you next time. No problem. Talk to you later, buddy. Yeah. Talk to you later. All right. Another great Clone Wars arc action packed coming to the end of the season uh, with our next arc being uh, the final in season three. That is looking forward to that. And uh if you guys are able to help us out, just, uh, you know, leave us a five-star review, rate us well, you know, drop that comment or, or, or get in touch with us or send this podcast to a friend trying to get out there a little more. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, any, any help is, is much appreciated. And, uh, you know, as much as this podcast would happen without it, uh, it's just kind of nice to have you guys involved. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. And, um, you know, that being said, uh, I guess a little bit of news. Uh, Steel books are out. Um, Blu-rays are out. Rise of Skywalker has been released, and uh, you can rent or buy it on digital. And it should be coming to Disney Plus sooner or later. I'm sure they'll accelerate that timeline now that everyone's kind of isolated at home. But uh, I did, in fact, line up outside my my best buy to grab the steelbook copy of, of Rise of Skywalker. I got the whole steelbook collection going on my shelf and uh, it was kind of the last one that I needed to get. So um, so yeah, uh, other than that though, the, the Skywalker Saga box set is out there. So if you don't own any of the films, a good chance now is to kind of get a package with all nine episodes in them. Uh, it does not contain Solo or Rogue One, unfortunately, but, uh, but you know, uh, if you like the episodes and and you want a nice collection, that's a that's a good way to go. So, anyhow, thanks guys, and uh, tune in next time. Uh, thanks for listening. May the force be with you.